How many parents out there have ever told a lie to their kids? Now, how many of you remember believing a lie that your parents told you? As a kid, you believe everything your parents say. They are the fountain of wisdom. They know it all. So when they tell you something, you don't doubt it. The story that sticks out to me the most from my childhood, though, is during the time that I collected snails. We were studying snails at school, so I became super fascinated with them. And I'd go out, I'd find them, I'd put them in this little two-liter Coke bottle habitat that I'd made for them. I'd feed them, visit them, sing to them. These snails were my friends. And I kept them in my parents' garage. Little did I know that my parents, particularly my mom, were not exactly thrilled with this arrangement. Apparently, snails give off a bit of a scent. And so one day I went to the garage to go hang out with my snails as I always did, only to find out that they were all gone. Their habitat was completely empty. I was heartbroken, so I ran to my mom trying to figure out where these snails had gone. And you know what she told me? She said they ran away. And as a kid, this totally made sense. You know, 20 snails all somehow making their way out of the habitat I'd made them, out of the garage, into the outdoors. That seemed like the logical answer. It wasn't until a couple years later that I realized snails are incredibly slow. They're not exactly escape artists. They can't run. So how would they all have gotten out in such a short amount of time? And when I confronted my mom about it, she admitted that, in fact, they hadn't run away at all, and instead she had gotten rid of them. You know that moment when you find out that not everything your parents say is true? It rocks your world. You start to question everything. Did that pet really get sent to live with a nice family on a farm? Does the ice cream truck really only play music when it's out of ice cream? Does watching SpongeBob actually make you stupid? That one's true, by the way. Suddenly, you start to doubt everything. Have you ever experienced doubt before? Now, I'm not talking about doubting some of these insignificant things that your parents told you. Have you ever experienced significant doubt? Have you ever doubted God, his existence, his goodness? Have you ever doubted your faith? Well, we're in the middle of our You Asked For It series where we've given you the opportunity to ask the questions and we do our best to answer them this summer. And one of the questions that was most asked by all of you is how do I navigate doubting God? We live in a world where it's becoming especially popular to deconstruct one's faith, to pick it apart and ask questions and truly figure out what you believe, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. But as a result, it's leading many people to doubt God, doubt the church, and ultimately to leave their faith entirely. As a young adult, I've seen this especially with my peers, people who have grown up going to church, were involved, maybe even went to Bible college, and then doubt begins to cloud their minds and they can't reconcile it, so they leave. So what do we do with our doubt? Do we just try to ignore it, to push it down? Do we give in to it completely? How should we navigate these questions when they come up? Well, before we get into that, I wanna take a moment to look at why we doubt. What are the reasons? What leads us to doubt in God? Firstly, we doubt when we don't understand. We doubt when we don't understand. Have you ever been reading through the Bible and you come across a passage that you just don't get? Maybe it says something that doesn't make sense to you, or maybe you feel like it contradicts other things that you've heard from Christians. Suddenly you feel like, is the Bible really all true? Does it actually say this? Can I believe in a God who would let something like this be written? Or maybe it's not the Bible. 
Maybe you don't understand why there's suffering in the world, why God allows bad things to happen. If God is good, then why is there a war happening in Ukraine right now? Why are there some girls who've been sex trafficked their whole lives? Why did so many people have to die from COVID? When we don't understand, doubt starts to creep in. And usually it's a lot easier to walk away than to try to find an answer. Because that's our typical response, right? It's fight, flight, or freeze. And usually we choose to flee. Whether it's a bump in a relationship or a job that you're not loving, it's a lot harder to stay and fight. The easiest thing to do is to leave. The second reason that we doubt is when Christians let us down. It's when Christians let us down. This is a tough one and we don't always talk about it, but Christians have been the source of a lot of hurt for a lot of people. Gandhi was quoted saying, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And the ugly truth is that sometimes Christians are what put doubt in people's minds. Christians are the ones who turn people away. Maybe you were hurt by someone in the church. Maybe there was a pastor that you looked up to who walked with you, prayed for you, was an inspiration to you. And then one day you found out that they had actually cheated on their spouse. Maybe it was a parent who went to church, who threw up their hands during worship, did all the right things, but at home, they were physically and emotionally abusive to you. And it made you think, is this what being a Christian is all about? Maybe you went to a church that taught some pretty messed up teachings and you're wondering if there's any truth at all to this whole God thing. When Christians let us down, we start to doubt the whole thing. We also doubt when we face difficulties when we face difficulties. It's, it's easy to believe in God when life is going great and it's, it's easy to trust him when things are going your way. But when it gets hard, when that diagnosis comes in that you weren't expecting, when a friend passes away suddenly, when the job that you loved is taken away from you, how do you have faith then? We start to doubt, does God really care about me? Is he even there? And if he is, is he the kind of God that I want to follow? Everyone has their own story, and I'm sure there are many more reasons than these for why people doubt. But at the end of the day, we all have questions. Maybe you've experienced it already, and if you haven't, I can guarantee you a time is probably coming when you come to a point and you think, is this what I truly believe? I want you to know that you're not alone. There are many people just like you who have, or maybe even are currently struggling with doubt. In fact, I want to look at a story today that recounts the doubts of a man who was quite close to Jesus, probably the closest that you could get. We're going to be looking today at a disciple of Jesus named Thomas. We'll be reading in John chapter 20, and at this point in the Gospel of John, Jesus has already been crucified by the Romans, a death that he didn't deserve. He was buried in a tomb, and three days later, he was resurrected back to life. In fact, at this point, he's already appeared to a number of people, including most of the disciples, all of them except Thomas. We pick up in verse 24 where it says, One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Thomas has gotten a bit of a nickname for himself from this story over the years. He's known as Doubting Thomas. What an unfortunate nickname, right? 
Can you imagine being like, I made it into the Bible, I'm in there, only to find out that your legacy revolves around the fact that you doubted? Not the kind of thing that you want to be known for. But I want to go on record to say that I think we need to cut Thomas a bit of slack because I think Thomas reacted the way that many of us would. He says, if I see it, then I'll believe it. And how often do we also come to God saying, God, if you would just show me, if you would just do a miracle, if you would just heal this person, if you would just fill in the blank, then I'll believe in you. Then I will no longer doubt. Thomas hadn't seen Jesus raised from the dead, and so therefore he didn't believe. But read what happens next. Verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Then look at what Thomas says. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed, which is a huge statement, by the way. At this point, Thomas is going from doubt to declaration. He's saying, you are my Lord and my God. I believe. Then verse 29, Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So let's unpack this story a bit. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's appeared to a bunch of people, including most of his disciples. Thomas, though, hasn't seen Jesus yet. And because of that, he doubts. He doesn't truly believe that Jesus has resurrected. And it's not until Jesus comes to him, shows him the wounds on his body, and speaks to him that Thomas is able to put his doubt aside and believe. Now, this is Thomas. Thomas, who had walked with Jesus for almost three years, who'd been his disciple, watched him heal the sick, raise the dead, give sight to the blind, multiply food. He knew Jesus better than most, and he had seen him do the most incredible things. And yet still, he couldn't help but doubt. He couldn't help but have some questions. So how should we navigate our doubt? Not all of us have the privilege of getting to see Jesus face to face like Thomas did. So what are we supposed to do? Well, first, you need to recognize that doubt doesn't disqualify your faith. Doubt does not disqualify your faith. I think that we tend to have this negative view of doubt in the church. If, if you have a question, if you've doubted, it's because your faith isn't strong enough. It's because you don't pray hard enough. You must not really be a Christian then. We put out these messages about doubt and because of it, there's a lot of shame around it. People feel like they can't have doubt and follow God. Like they can't voice their questions without being made to feel guilty. But doubt does not disqualify your faith. If we look at the Bible, there were tons of righteous, amazing leaders who loved God and served him, and they still had some doubt. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus and a prophet and preacher, he was loud and proud about his faith in God. He dedicated his life to preparing the way for Jesus. And yet, when he was put in prison for his faith, he began to question things. If we look at Matthew 11, 3, it records him sending his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? John, who had spent years boldly preaching that Jesus was the Messiah who would save them all when faced with difficulty, suddenly had doubts. Another leader, Abraham, the father of Israel and a key figure in the Old Testament was a righteous man who lived according to God's ways. He was known to have great faith. And yet when God promised him and his wife who was barren, a son in their old age, He laughed. 
He simply could not believe that God could do such a thing. He doubted. Moses questioned God's calling on his life. Peter began to doubt and sink as he walked on the water toward Jesus. Gideon did not believe that God would give him and his small army victory. Job questioned why God would allow such terrible things to happen to him. Over and over again, these incredible figures in the Bible faced what every one of us faces, doubt. And yet over and over again, we see God redeem their situations and use them in incredible ways despite their questions and despite their doubts. The enemy will try to convince you that your doubt is too big. He'll try to use it to bring shame and condemnation. Whereas God can take a person's doubt and in response, use it for something good. Because your doubt is not a barrier to God. It's not a barrier to God. Look at how Jesus responded to Thomas's doubt. He knew that Thomas had questions. He knew that Thomas was not ready to believe quite yet. But instead of condemning him or leaving him to find the answers himself or dismissing him as someone who simply didn't have enough faith, what did Jesus do? He met Thomas where he was at. Jesus came to Thomas in a miraculous way, might I add, despite his doubt. He didn't wait for Thomas to believe. He didn't get after him for doubting. The first thing he says is, peace be with you. He shows up. He gives Thomas the evidence he was looking for and he says, believe. Thomas's doubt was not a barrier to Jesus. It didn't disqualify his faith. And if that's the story that you're telling yourself right now, I want you to know that the same God who came to Thomas in his doubt is ready to come to you. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have perfect faith. You just have to be willing to put your trust in him. And if you want to do that for the first time, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a few short moments. The next thing that we need to do when we are dealing with doubt is to work through it in community. We need to work through it in community. I feel that many times in the church, we try to push our doubt down. We look around at all the other people in the room who are raising their hands saying things like, God's in control. And we think, am I the only one who feels this way? Am I the only one with questions? Am I the only one who feels like they're faking it? And because of that, we isolate ourselves and we keep our questions quiet. But look at what Thomas does. He isn't shy about sharing his doubts. He doesn't hide the fact that he isn't sure. The other disciples come to him, telling him about their experience seeing the resurrected Jesus. And Thomas openly says, I won't believe it unless I see it. This isn't a response we should be looking down upon. In fact, I think the church could use more of this kind of honesty. The church should be a place where we welcome questions and pursue answers. It should be a place where we welcome questions and pursue answers. Our doubts have so much more power over us when we keep them to ourselves. In fact, Pastor Lewis touched on this a couple weeks ago in his sermon on Satan when he said that part of Satan's strategy is to isolate us so that we'll listen to his lies instead of listening to God's truth. Without any sort of feedback or accountability, without anyone to work through these questions, we start to distance ourselves. We feel alone. We let our doubts become the basis of truth. Instead, we need to be intentionally inviting others into the conversation. Find trusted people who can guide you. Find someone who's willing to listen. Look for people who are also wrestling with doubt and talk through it together. And if you don't feel like you have someone like that, reach out to us. We'd love to come alongside you. Just don't do it on your own. 
This is why we have things like Skeptic, a course that addresses some of the doubts that many people have about Jesus, and Alpha, a space for people to bring up their questions about life, faith, and God. We want to create intentional spaces here at Broadway for people to ask the hard questions and to find answers together. Jude 22 tells us, you must show mercy to those who are wavering. And we need churches like this. We need people who, like the disciples, like Jesus, aren't there to cast judgment or to heap shame onto those who doubt. We need listeners. We need teachers. We need a church that is full of mercy. And if you know someone who is doubting, I want to challenge you to be that person for someone else. Be the person that they feel comfortable bringing their questions to. Be that safe space for them. This is what working through doubt in community looks like. I've faced doubt a number of times in my life. And many of you who have grown up in the church might have experienced this, where you've attended church with your family every Sunday, you know all the key Bible stories, you pray before every meal. But there comes a moment where suddenly you think, is this what I really believe? Is this a faith that I've inherited from my parents that I've just chosen to go along with? Or is this my own? I remember coming to that place. And I felt like the worst person ever. I felt like I was a bad Christian, like I was the only one who felt this way. But when I decided to be vulnerable, when I brought my questions forward and pursued truth and community, I wasn't met with judgment, but with understanding and guidance. I was able to discover a faith that was my own, a faith that I'd worked through with others and found some answers to. Which leads me to my last point for navigating your doubt. See your doubt as an invitation to deeper faith. See your doubt as an invitation to deeper faith. Look at what Jesus does with Thomas. He shows him the scars in his body, the holes in his hand, and the wound in his side, and then he invites him to something greater. He says, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Jesus is inviting Thomas into a deeper faith. See, oftentimes we look at faith as though it's a destination. It's something that eventually we'll attain if we just keep trying hard enough. And, and once we get there, we'll be unwavering. But the reality is that faith is not a destination. It's a journey. There's going to be times when your faith is strong, when all your trust is in God, when you can't be shaken. And there's going to be other times when you feel confused and lost and doubt starts to creep in. If you're looking to reach perfect faith, to reach a point where you have all the answers, where your faith is unwavering and doubt never creeps in, then you're never going to get there. Because it's not perfect faith we should be after. It's persistent faith. I have a feeling that Thomas wanted to believe. I mean, we can see that he continued to stick with the disciples who were likely constantly talking about Jesus' resurrection. He could have easily left and written off the whole thing. But I think that deep inside, Thomas was trying to push through his doubt. He was trying to hold on to his faith, even if it was small. He persisted, though his doubt was still there. And because of that, because he stuck around, because he chose to fight through the thoughts of doubt and confusion, the thoughts that perhaps all of this had been for nothing, that Jesus wasn't who he said he was, that maybe the whole thing was a sham, because he persisted that he was invited into a deeper faith than he had ever known. A lot of us might feel intimidated by doubt. We don't even want to go there because we're afraid that it might cause us to drift away, that we might find answers that we don't like. But through wrestling with doubt, through asking the tough questions, pursuing truth, trying to figure out for ourselves what we truly believe, 
It allows us to get away from the safe, comfortable version of God and Christianity that we know. We leave behind the God that we can fit in our minds, the God who we limit and want to control. And we meet a God who's bigger, who goes beyond our human potential and who has wounds and scars on his body, just like us. What if that didn't lead us away from him, but closer? After this moment, when Jesus appeared to him, Thomas went on to be one of the apostles who preached the gospel and was sent out to do God's work. In fact, he was so convinced of his faith that history tells us he died as a martyr for what he believed. He was able to overcome the doubt that he once had and let it make him stronger, more assured. Philosopher Francis Bacon said this, If we begin with certainties, we will end in doubt. But if we begin with doubts and bear them patiently, we may end in certainty. The doubts that you have, the questions you might be asking right now, could be an invitation to a greater faith if you are willing to be persistent. Matthew 28 is known as the Great Commission. It's the point where Jesus sends off his disciples and essentially every one of us to carry on the good news and share what he's done with others. And I've read through this chapter countless times and yet reading it again, it struck me. It says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. These disciples had just recently seen Jesus be crucified and then raised from the dead. They had watched him perform miracles, appear to many people, and here they are standing with him, and some of them still doubt. He's right in front of their eyes, and they still have questions. And then look at what Jesus says to them next. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus here, he knows they're doubting. He knows that they're feeling unsure. And yet he calls them to go and make disciples. He, he calls them to teach and he reminds them of his presence with them at all times. And if you're here doubting right now, I want you to know that he's saying the same thing to you. He might not give you all the answers. He might not tell you exactly what you want to hear, but he's still calling you. He still wants to use you. He's still with you. He's asking you to put your faith in him and follow, even if you don't fully understand. Which leads us to our big idea for today. Every week we try to sum up the teaching with one phrase, one thing that we hope you'll take away. And today it's this, allow your doubt to deepen your faith. Allow your doubt to deepen your faith. When we doubt, we tend to distance ourselves. We tend to walk away, to stop praying, to try to find something that will confirm our doubts so we can just move on with our lives. We let doubt derail our faith. Instead, we need to be letting it deepen our faith. And how do we do that? By surrounding ourselves with people who will build us up and work through the questions with us. By reminding ourselves of who God is, going back to his word and remembering his character and the promises he's made. By persevering when we don't have all the answers, asking God for the strength to trust in him, even when it doesn't make sense. Allow your doubt to deepen your faith. Thomas could have given in to his doubt. He could have walked away and leaned into his questions. Even after Jesus showed himself to him, he could have said, God, I'm, I'm still not convinced. You left us. Things didn't turn out how we thought. There's still things that I don't understand. But he leaned into his faith. 
He put his trust in Jesus and he didn't let his doubt have the final word. Are you doubting today? Are there questions that you have for God? Are there things that you just can't get your mind around? I don't have all the answers for you. I don't have the cure for doubt. But what I can say is there is a God who comes to you in your doubt, just like he did with Thomas. He shows you his scars and his wounds and he says, this is what I did for you. Don't doubt anymore, believe. He's inviting you to do that right now. And so if you want to make that decision to cross the line of faith, I would just invite you to agree with me in prayer. God, I thank you for your gift of grace. I recognize that I have sinned and that I have fallen short. I've made mistakes. But today I want to come to you. I want to cross that line of faith and put aside my doubt, put aside my fears. I accept your gift of forgiveness in my life. And from this day forward, I choose to follow you. And God, for every other person who's listening right now, I pray that you would help us to deepen our faith, even when we have questions, even when we have doubt, when we work through it together and trust in you, even when we don't have all the answers. And pray this in your name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, my best advice for you is to text the number on the screen. It'll connect you to a pastor and we love to answer whatever questions you might have and just get to know you more. Thank you so much for joining us at Broadway today.